podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Zero Pucks Given, the UK ice hockey podcast. We are in partnership with the Hockey Art Co, hockey clothing for hockey people, worn by the best and hated by the rest. Listeners to Zero Pucks Given get a 10% discount on everything site-wide at hockeyartclothing.co.uk. So go and have a look there and then when you check out, put ZP10 in the uh, in the coupon code and you will get your 10% discount. Right, we are back for our third episode of this week. My God, it has been busy at ZPGHQ. We've had our roundup of the weekend's results. We've had our brilliant chat with Ziggy Beasley. That was really, really enjoyable. And then this is this is proper special. As soon as this got announced, I, I contacted this guy because I think it's something that we need to speak about more. Obviously, we now know that EIHA have rebranded to England Ice Hockey. They're taking quite a proactive step, reaching out to a lot of the independent media outlets. So. They want to move forward in the public eye. They want everyone to see and know how well they're doing, if they are doing well. And I'm sure they'll be accepted to take criticism if they're not doing well as well. So as soon as it was announced that they had a new general manager for coaching, I really wanted to talk to him. So I tonight I caught up with Peter Wynn. Zero Pucks Given in partnership with the Hockey Art Co. We are absolutely thrilled to be joined by the newest member of what is now England Ice Hockey, the new general manager for coaching, Peter Wynn. How are you doing this evening, sir? I'm all right, Ben. Thank you very much for uh, taking the time to invite me on the show. No, it's all right. Thank you for agreeing. It's not been the easiest of times uh, for the organisation at the moment. Obviously, they've just had the rebrand. You were announced actually before the rebrand was. Um, So, yeah, tell me a bit about about this role then and, and what what they're actually planning to achieve with you in this role? So the roles, um, I think it's basically the role I used to have before I left the IHA um, when I was a technical director. Um, so I think they've just expanded it more to a, a general manager role. Um, my my job is to come in and pick up the pieces and get the team back together to what it was when I was last here um, and put things into place that we think need to happen um with the education side for coaches um and for players yeah and is it sort of focused around having an england national team or is it more focused around pushing forward the players that we've got domestically so it's not so much in in with the england team it's more we need to look at uh, two aspects so from being from my background in the past of being a coach as well there's nothing really for for what you call your advanced coaches um, it tends to be no education. I've spoke to quite a few of the guys in the IHL. They're really keen in getting their learning back on track. Um, but I really want to try and bring in a, a two-tier structure where we have grassroots 
where we're really focused heavily on on the uh, development of clubs and club coaches for for juniors, and also providing an advanced pathway for senior coaches, so NIHL above uh, England and draft conference um, going forward. Excellent, excellent. And and I think was it last year? <clears throat> excuse me, that the the conferences were kind of abandoned. They brought in the draft uh, for the younger players. Um, is that something that's going to continue? Will you have any? We have any involvement in that? Um, so that'll be working with um, Martin Peters and his crew, and we'll be offering support along the way with that. I mean, our focus is to get to get the education side right. Mm. Biggest thing we have to do is make sure that clubs have got support and backup and that we're helping to develop some quality coaches. Um, I think there was a little bit where everything went online for a bit um, and we kind of lost that personal touch of the face-to-face classroom sessions. Um, but we kind of started that this summer and we had some success that with Reg and Jeff um, putting that back into place. So that's something that we're going to be looking at doing is more classroom sessions, more workshops, going back to the way we used to run it. Yeah, obviously with the, I mean, no way of beating around the bush. There is a lack of ice in this country. It's um, so the off ice stuff is really important, isn't it, for for the coaches and for the players alike. Yeah, you also have you, a background in roller hockey or in yeah. inline hockey. So is that something that could be looked at as well to get people on wheels for a bit? Massively. So when I left, I ran my own company, Advanced Hockey Development, and we had an academy called the Dodgers. Um, and we were, I left ice and went into inline and started to realize the benefits that inline has for um, ice players. Uh, a lot of the GB20s that played in Dumfries um, last week actually played for me in my academy, in inline. Uh, yeah. but, but probably one of the best being Malik. Uh, yes, yeah, so I was going to say, I think Malik was actually in, the, in that group, wasn't he? Yeah, Yeah, and he, he was a captain for the GB team when we won the gold. Um, so again, it, it's a huge benefit that a lot of coaches don't really see and um, a lot of coaches i think have an old mentality that roller hockey is bad for them it's bad for the skating but it's actually not if anything it makes much better players you've just got to look at some of the the young players in the NA, nihl coming through and um, all they're all playing in line um, yeah. and it just benefits them massively i think juniors probably get about 15 16 games a year in ice you combine that with in line playing the tournaments um you're looking at about 40, 50, 60 games a year. So it just, it really helps them to develop the the skill sets and also develops their hockey IQ in a, in a confined space and they have to think quicker. So it, it, you've got to look at the amount of NHL players that have come through who are all kind of Bedard, inline yeah. player. You know, Conor McDavid, inline player, the list goes on. So if it's good enough for the NHL guys, it's got to be good. Good for the British kids. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there is certain states in America that are quite similar to England in, in having a lack of ice. Um, earlier at the start of this season, I spoke to Rod Hullaby and his son Dylan is is playing with the Oxford City Stars in, in the NIHL one. And they said where they are in Iowa, there's like two or three rinks and, that, and that's it in the whole state. So it's a, a lot of traveling everywhere. So I think Dylan was was in line for a bit as well. Yeah, and it's just thinking outside the box, and there's so many different sports that the that, that kids can play that will help them. And we need to encourage our kids to be to be multi-sport players, not just one sport focus. You know, they can play floorball, they can play uh, ball hockey. Now is really big, isn't it? And Sheffield and stuff. They, they've got some really good setups there now. And it's it's no ice is an issue. Many many years ago, when I was at Newcastle, we only had one hour a week. 
ice and we were competing against teams with imports and three, four hours ice, but we still managed to compete and win the league. So it, it's how you structure your time and you can do a lot off ice that you can on ice. It's just how coaches structure it. Yeah. And uh, with, with your role and sort of building into it, what's going to be the main focus for the for new coaches coming in? So the main focus for new coaches is so you see so you've kind of got what we put in place before I left, where you've got the foundation, then you've got the assistant coach, then you've got a team coach, uh, and then you've got advanced. There is something there for elite, but we're well off elite at the moment for elite coaches. Um, there's things we can look at. For me, I'm a big advocate of bringing in a skills coach qualification for players who don't necessarily want to coach teams, but would like to come and coach sessions. So we're looking at something like that. And I also think that we should go back to, back to the old days when, when I was coaching as head coaching clubs and bring in a head coach certificate. Yeah, I think these would be really good to help the coach, to help the clubs get set up. But the biggest thing we need to do is focus on young players' fundamental skills, not worry about the amount of games that necessarily that they're playing at a young age, but just really focus on their skill development. Yeah, and also you yourself as a successful coach at domestic and international level, uh, a lot of national titles, a grand slam with the Whitley Bay Warriors in, in your, your repertoire there as well. So with the existing coaches, is is there something that you're going to be looking to do with them? Because I mean, very much old dog and new tricks, I suppose, with a lot of people that have been doing it for a while. But is there something for, for the existing coaches as well that where they can enhance what they do? Yeah, and that's going to come down to workshops and knowledge shares. Um, you know, we've got Tony Hand on board now as well. Tony's starting some clinics. Um, Tony's going to be getting involved working. Um, I'm looking to bring in more stuff towards strength and conditioning programs to introduce that to clubs. But a lot of clubs, some clubs do it, some clubs don't. Um, you look at, you need to start looking at getting guys together on ice, bringing coaches in from around from around the world, using the international federation contacts we have. We did one in Dumfries um, two weeks ago for, for the uh, World Championships. Uh, a guy came over, ex-Calgary Flames, um, a Florida Panthers coach. From Czechoslovakia did a talk, which we just didn't sell that, that the fact that he was there. Um, but you know, there were some good things there. Um Aaron was there from Swindon, um, Leeds was there with Ryan, Aldridge was there. These guys want to learn as well. So it's about getting everyone together and just building on it. It's it comes down the more we can put on, the more people can learn, and the better, the better they can be to give the, the players the best experience they can. Yeah. Um, I'm going to be catching up uh, over the next couple of weeks with Daniel Smith, who sort of led the, the rebrand for, of England ice hockey. And it's probably a question that's sort of better aimed to him, but I'd I would like your opinion on it. As far as pathway goes for, for the players and, and for the coaches alike, is it something that the, the England ice hockey is now going to look at? Because obviously I know it's separate from the elite ice hockey league. They have a lot of import players in there. But I think a lot of the young British players, I think they, they need to see something clear, don't they, when they can start at junior hockey at one level and sort of progress through the clubs to play professionally in their own country. Is that something England ice hockey are going to look at? To be honest with you, I can't answer that. Um, I'm not long back into the into the association. My, my time at the moment is spent recruiting my team. Mm. Um, I'm looking to just build that and get ready so that when we hit the summer period, end of season, we're ready to to go with workshops and courses. Um, I think that the pathway needs to be there for players. 
Um, it needs to be clear. Um, would I like, for me personally, would I like to see them getting into the elite league more? Definitely. Um, but that's a different kettle of fish, isn't it? It's it's a separate league. It is, yeah. It's kind of a loaded question, actually. I am aware. <laughs> it is. And it, it's something that hasn't changed since I, I used to, when I used to work as a, as a coach. Um, we used to have good, when I was at Woody Bay, we had great relationships with Murrayfield. And when they were playing the Finders Cup on a Wednesday night, nobody from Edinburgh wanted to travel to Newcastle. So I'd get a phone call off Scott Neal saying, Pete, can I have some of your lads? And I would send them up, and it'd be great experience for them to go and play at that level. And a lot of them, a lot of them guys went on to play in the Elite League um, as, a, as, as having that experience. And some of them ended up in Guildford and around the leagues. I think if you look at the NHL now, they've got it, they've got it right for me. Mm. Um, they're bringing through young players. Um, NHL 2's there, so the development path's getting there. Um, would I like to see something different like an under-23 league or something like that or look at what they do in Europe with the under-20s league? I would love to see that, but I don't think the structure's there in this country for that. Um, it, it works in other countries, but maybe we just need to take some time and see how we can do it. Mm. Yeah, I get the feeling a lot of the uh, the male players particularly are kind of not not pressured, but they they want to play men's hockey as soon as they're 16. And they kind of want to leave that 18s, that, that junior level behind as quickly as they can to see how quickly they can progress. But do you think it would be beneficial to sort of stay with their own age group for a little longer? I think that it's a difficult one because the standard in the junior is not what it was to quite a few years ago. And that's basically because the amount of kids that are leaving. So a lot of people say that the junior leagues aren't a very good standard. But if you look at how many kids are leaving to go to play in North America and Europe, and we have to think of it. We have to think of a way of stopping, stopping the, the losing the skill level, but we're not going to because we can't provide what these countries can. No, so I get why kids want to leave, um, and it's a great life experience as well, isn't it, for them to go away, play in North America or play in Europe. Um, good coaches, good leagues, but it's a very difficult thing as a sixteen-year-old kid to break into a senior team, and and it, it's not going to happen for most. So no. we need have something league domestic leagues that they can really thrive in yeah and if anything like what you say there it's almost a contradiction of itself saying that the standard isn't there in the juniors because but because they're all leaving to play in north america and europe it clearly is there and yeah yeah it's obviously it's being taken elsewhere because the path isn't quick enough really i suppose for them yeah and it, if you imagine if you can think if you can consider if we had all them players still here then the standard would raise so, mm. so, so it would be really competitively. Um, I think quite a few years ago, there wasn't that pathway available at the time for the players to go away. You'd get the odd guy would go and travel, but there's so many academies now they can go to. There's so many opportunities that can, they, they can go and try try their luck, isn't it? Mm. Uh, but yeah, domestically, we have to make the, the domestic leagues better. We have to make the coaches better. Um good coaching is going to develop players and it's going to make a higher standard, but it's going to take time. It's not going to happen overnight. No, no. For, for, for part of your role then be to try and perhaps, especially those that are in the elite league and perhaps even those in the NIHL and NIHL one import players that, that now live here permanently it would be remiss to not really kind of harness their knowledge, wouldn't it? And get them involved. A, a lot of the guys do. Um, they do get involved. It tends to be, it tends to be when they've got kids, mm. when their kids come in. The other thing as well is that, that you've got to remember, these guys are ex-pros. 
there's not a lot of money. Yeah. Very, very little money in in coaching um, at junior hockey. So it's tough for these guys to, go to, to give up all their time to coach for free. And I think people have to remember that 90% of the coaches in, in our sections are volunteer coaches. So it, so if you can get these guys in when they've got the kids playing, that's the ideal time to get them. We've yeah. had plenty of uh, Canadians and European coaches come through the education program in previous years. Um, Lordy from Cardiff, Gerald Adams, all came through the 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 English coaching programs. They all attended them and did them, and they all said they benefited massively from being on the courses because coaching's moved on from when from when they played as players and had their coaches. So the game's advancing all the time and coaches have to advance with that. Yeah. I mean, with, with the game advancing, we, we all know it probably gripes us of a certain generation that not only is the game advanced, but civilization seems to have advanced in a particularly odd way. I, I mean, that's got to be like a one of them jobs in, in your list that's a pain where you're kind of thinking... You know, there's now ways you probably can't talk to people and things that you can't say that once would have been perfectly legitimate coaching methods are now probably considered bullying or abuse or inappropriate. That must be quite challenging. I think it is for a lot of coaches. Um, you're right. The world's changed, hasn't it? And today's athlete has changed. Um, I think COVID had a massive impact um, on the psychology of people. Uh, a lot of kids isolated. Uh, ask any coach, you walk in the dressing room now, and t- there's a mobile phone in every hand. Mm. Um, you see kids warming up with mobile phones in their hands. Um, it's very, very difficult it's to 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 change what there is now to to back then. There are different ways, aren't there? And if you look at when we were at school as kids, we were used to being screamed or yelled at in PE. Yeah. It was just part and parcel now it's not the way it is and you've got to change your approach and there's different methods and the, a lot of the, the kids now respond differently um, to different methods of coaching and technology can be a good thing. And a lot of coaches now are successfully bringing technology in to how they coach. I know when in my inline uh, program, we used interactive coaching techniques and we used um a system that did everything in 2D and 3D animation and the players loved it and we, we could send them the drills send them the playbooks all animated so the game's moving on yeah you've just got to move with it <laughs> yeah so the... have to move with it <laughs> I, know, I think well with some of it I'm a little bit reluctant I think <laughs> to, to move on with the civilization but yeah as you say it's children these days or even up to the you know teenagers oh yeah I mean, my, my daughter's nearly 14. I don't understand a word she says. They're, they're virtually speaking in a different language. And as you say, I think the ones that have, have come through, do you find a difference, actually? The ones that have come through from having parentage within the hockey environment to the ones that haven't, is there a difference in their, not just their technical ability, but their their will? Yeah, I don't think it's so much a technical ability. Um, I think uh, it's a mindset that it starts at the table, doesn't it? That's an old saying, isn't it? Your mindset starts at the dinner table kind of thing and you're, you're a product of your environment. Um, a lot of ex-players, of course, they want their, they want their kids to, to be the best of them, so they're going to spend as much time as they can. Um, I think it's difficult for some parents. Uh, ice hockey is very expensive now. Very, very expensive. And if you if you want to be at the 
at the pinnacle at the top you've got to attend everything you've mm-hmm. got to be at everything every ice session every off ice session every game every tournament every opportunity to play you've got to be there and i think if you have a if you have a dad or a mum who played they get that and they'll be there for everything if you get parents who are new to the sport maybe don't understand the commitment that's involved to get to the top uh, previous years, I, I used to have parents come to me and say, um, I can use a player for um, a couple of players' examples. Um, but uh, Sam Zajac, when he played at Leeds, he, he was one of our kids from Whitley Bay. I used to get parents saying, how come he's at every single thing? It, it, uh, England, GB, why is he always there? And I used to say the same thing, because he attends every single session. Mm-hmm. He never misses a session whether it's on ice or off ice, gym, at the beach doing doing a fitness test, he never misses. So you're going to have parents who, who think they're just turning their kids in once a week for an hour is enough, and it's not. No. So it, it, it I think, it, yeah, that's the difference is uh, guys who've played understand what it takes to, to get there. No, and, with, and with the off ice stuff, and as you say, the modern methods of coaching, uh, in the early in the season, I spoke to Colin Booth from MG1 Elite. Yeah, Colin, have, yeah. Have you been familiar with their work? Yeah, I know Colin, yeah. Yeah, and do you think, because when Colin and I spoke, we kind of, we were wary on the lines of, let's not use technology for technology's sake. Yeah. Let's actually use some methods that are actually proving to be beneficial. And do you think that that's working? I think it is kind of Colin's proven, isn't he? With uh, the program he's putting in, it's working. I think you've also got to look at what Danny's doing at Ozone. Yeah. Um, inducted into the British Hockey Hall of Fame today. Yeah, it's well deserved, isn't it? Um, but you've got to look at that. And there is embracing the technology, but there's also, you've got Rupert Quinney, who runs a fantastic program as well. Um, and they understand what it takes as professionals. It's, you know, you, you're going to be in the gym. You're going to be spending time. And nutrition's a huge part of it as well. And some of the kids are really well drilled at the moment and I see some of them come through come through. You see how in shape the kids are now. And the, and I, I think we just have to get over to some some of the, the newer generation as it's athlete first, player second. And that that's going to be the difference. And it, you look at some of the European countries, the, the focus isn't always around ice. It's around fitness and development and speed agility and getting everything right so that as they get older they can develop into further into further fields mm. with the um <clears throat> excuse me i've got a proper frog going on tonight the uh with the uh, sort of advancement in the coaching and the stuff you're going to be bringing in i did an episode recently with david jackson who used to be a nottingham rugby player had to retire because of a brain injury is there going to be any advancement in the concussion protocol within england ice hockey to try and get a little bit more understanding of that injury because I know it's one that is troubling a lot of players at the moment. So before I left, we used to have the head check program, um, which is quite successful. But I know that we're lining up with the UK Sport, um, and they've got a concussion protocol which is based around the rugby, I think. Um, and we're going to be working with them as well. It's something that needs to be looked at because if it's not picked up, it can, as we know, it can lead to, to severe injuries. Mm. Um, but again, it. Things like a lot of concussion will come in a game due to bad education on how to to make a check and also how to receive a check. And that's one of the big things that a lot of kids aren't taught how to receive a check. And that's where a lot of injuries come in. 
Yeah, almost like a, if you're in a car accident, I suppose, and if you, you're asleep, you'll probably end up with no injuries because your body's relaxed. But if you yeah. sort of ten, tense up, you'll, you'll break bones. Yeah, and it, a lot of the programs around the world are doing it now. Um, the respect programs and the hockey, USA Hockey do them as well and Hockey Canada. But a lot of the injuries come down to body contact, come down because we haven't educated coaches on how to teach checking. It's a skill. People don't realize that checking is actually a skill. Um, you know, we need we, we need to prepare the players for it. Mm. And as you say, it's a skill both ways to hand one out and to take one as well. Yeah, you've got to be able to, to take it on the wall. If you're not prepared, you're standing a foot off the wall and you don't know how to fall up, fall into the barrier. You know, they're just very simple things that, that we can bring in and introduce to the coaching system. Yeah, because I know I know a couple of players have been struggling, particularly in the in the Britain division in IHL South One, with uh, with concussion issues where they've had it and they've. What David Jackson said has actually stuck with me ever since because we had a couple of people on that call, myself included, who have had a concussion, and it was that you don't actually start to recover until you start to feel better. That's when the recovery starts. Whereas people would start to feel better and then go back to their sport rather than take the extra time. But as you say, if, if people are being educated on how to receive, how to take a check, uh, and as you say, to fall correctly, if you are checked hard, that's certainly going to minimize the level of that injury, I suppose. Yeah, that's what we need to do. And we need to start looking at outside sports as well. And what have they done really good? How can we learn from them and what, what best practices we can bring into to our sport? And that's what we need to start doing. Yeah, excellent. Do you, um, obviously, you've not been back in the, in this role particularly very long. Um, and I know Daniel has sort of spoken with a couple of media outlets and he'll, he'll be with me in a couple of weeks. Have you got a uh, a sort of a, a plan laid out for sort of one year, two year, three years for what's going to be happening for you? Yeah, so we're busy working on a three-year plan at the moment. Um I don't want to say anything because if I say something and it doesn't get funded. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> you know, people are going to be on the phone saying, Pete, what are you talking about? <laughs> um, I think, I think for the, the main thing is that we need to get the grassroots sword um, and then also start offering something, as I said, for the higher, the, the more advanced coaches. Um, we're not a million miles off. Um, one of our instructors, Reg Wilcox was in Hungary for eight days and, uh, two weeks ago for their learn to play program and some of the things that they're doing over there he said Pete we're, we're just not we're almost there it's almost identical and um, one thing they do do is he was telling me is they actually do an on ice exam um which we don't do um so again it's just I think getting coaches in getting ice sessions in us being able to deliver our sessions, bringing experienced coaches in to work with, to give experience of how they do it, um, putting some things in place to help the clubs um, would be, I think, would be the best start. Yeah. Excellent. Because, yeah, as much as we, we're all saying we'd like to get more players in and more facilities for them to play in, if there's no coaches, who's going to sort of, who's, who's going to lead the way? And obviously then, Moving right through the organisation, if there's no referees, who's going to referee the game? The whole the whole game needs a boost, and I'd say hopefully this rebrand from England Ice Hockey will will be a good start for it. Yeah, I think it will be. Um, and again, it's uh, I'll reach out to any any experienced coaches that that would like to join the program. Is reach out to me, give me a call, give me an email. Um, let's talk. Um, there's lots of people that can give back to the sport. 
So it, it would be great to get people on board. Mm. Um, and and more important is just just grow, keep growing the game, keep growing the keep growing the amount of players coming through, but also help and educate coaches because sadly the past couple of years it's been lacking um, to one one reason or another. So we just need to get back on board and just launch everything, get out there and get it done. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you were up in Dumfries, weren't you, with the with the GB under twenties? They took a bronze. How, how was the whole tournament for the boys? So I was only there for the first the first game uh, against Netherlands. It was really good. Um, I kept in touch, as I said, most of, a lot of the kids played for my my inline academy, so we kept messaging and just seeing how it was going. I think they did really well. Um, you know, they went down unlucky in the last game. It's it's one of those things. Yeah, they were twenty it, minutes away from gold, really. Weren't they? It's tournament hockey, isn't it? Um, and I can I know speaking to um, speaking to Spud, he was telling me that careers again same old story isn't it bigger budgets they get to play two tournaments more together um but you know what it's a bronze but it's a it's it's a result isn't it yeah yeah and as you say it all seems to be moving in the right direction um, yeah i think the gb program's really starting to 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 look really good now yeah and uh the, the 18s recently had a good good performance as well i think in a, in a little tournament they played i think that was in that was in this country i believe yeah, in Sheffield, I couldn't know who the kid was, but I saw the sick Michigan goal, which is which was pretty. Uh, yeah, that was an incredible finish, wasn't it? Uh, Carruther, it, I think it was. Again, great skill set and the confidence to actually do that, mm. and that's the kind of kid you're going to probably see come through the ranks. It's, yeah, uh, having having the confidence to to do that in the game. So, but again, where did he learn it? He's practiced it and practiced it. So skill sets yeah there's a few in that 18s actually i was down at the sapphire in romford on saturday night for romford buccaneers against chelmsford chieftains and romford have got brindley caps and joe tamal in there and they're two incredible young players 16 years old and they run their games there's good talent coming through um it's just provided like you say is providing that pathway for them and and are they going to be able to break into a senior team straight away and understanding that they're not going to go straight into line one, line two, they're going to have to go on line four and work their way up. It's mm. uh, it's a big jump, isn't it? And I think that's, as you say, with the the changes in civilization and humanity in general, I think a lot of these young lads, that, especially those that have played the game and they are family members that have played the game, they understand it's important to travel with the seniors knowing you might not get any minutes, not to travel with them in, and expect to get minutes. Yeah, you've, you've got... The, the old saying was always you've got to serve your time, and that hasn't changed from when I played when I was a kid and coming up through the ranks. But I think what we do now with the two ways and some of the three ways to do is the best for the kids, you know. And as a senior coach, if you're not if you're not going to play a kid, then send them down, send them down to the team that's going to play them and give them give them power play time, give them penalty kills so you can experience it. Um, but at the same time, yeah, you've you get your opportunity, you've got to shine and you've got to go out there and earn it. I bet the initiation and banter has changed a little bit though from back in the day. Just the tad. Thank you so much for your time. It's been a real pleasure for you to join me here on Zero Pucks Given. We've um, we've had a little bit of contact with England Ice Hockey since the rebrand. So we're hoping that everyone, both the organisation, all of its members, and the independent media outlets are all going to move forward together. So a much more sort of positive outlook for the sport. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Ben. And uh, hopefully in six months, we're going to do this again and we're going to see some of the fruits, fruits of our labor and how some of the programs going to look. Absolutely. That'd be absolutely brilliant. 
have a, have a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And, uh, and good, luck, good luck for, the, uh, for your role. Thank you very much. A massive thank you to Peter Wynn for joining me there. A really interesting chat. We, we will be hooking up again in six months and seeing just how he's getting on with building the, the sort of the coaching system around the England ice hockey setup and trying to improve some of the new coaches and enhance some of the coaches that we already have. Obviously brilliant that they all give up their time as well. You know, as, as Pete said, a lot of people don't really understand just how much time people have to put in to this sport. And most of it is voluntary as well. So appreciative of Pete and of everybody that is taking their time to do that. Well, that is it. That is episode 66 in the bank. And that is 2023 signed off for Zero Pucks Given. Thank you so much to everyone for listening. It's been a really, really good year. Obviously, since we come back at the start of this season, we've been covering the entire Britain division, which I've really enjoyed. I've thoroughly enjoyed speaking to a lot of the new players. In January, I'm hoping to catch up with every single coach from the Britain division just to get their thoughts on how the season has gone for them so far. So I'm really hoping that we can make that happen. Um, I certainly know that I'll be t- I'll be speaking with uh, with Carl and Ben, Alex and Jason because we they obviously they provide their coaches' thoughts every week for us. So but hopefully we can speak to the other four coaches as well. Uh, and then there'll be a load of load of new stuff coming as well. I think we've got Harvey Briggs from the Stretton Red Hawks is confirmed for next year. Courtney Grant from the Romford Buccaneers and Brindley Caps from the Romford Buccaneers and the Romford Raiders is also confirmed. Um, and then obviously the the Women's League, the WNIHL, please, if you do want to be involved with Zero Pucks Given, please do reach out because we do like to put a little spotlight on the WNIHL once a month, uh, get some of your results out there and find out when your fixtures are. I will be heading to one in January. There's a double header at Chelmsford where the Kodiaks are coming down to play against the Pythons. And then I think it's the Falcons from Milton Keynes are playing the uh, Cobras in the evenings. I think that's January the 14th. So I'll be down there for that. And of course, don't forget, we've got that midweek game in Slough, January the 1st, when we come back from the new, uh, January 3rd, sorry, when we come back from the new year, Wednesday, January the 3rd is the first game back, uh, midweek hockey in Slough. That should be fantastic. So we once again, thank you for everyone for listening. Thank you for everyone who donates their time and gives some content to ZPG. I really have enjoyed doing this uh, for, the, for all of this year, and I will massively look forward to doing it in 2024. See you next time, guys. Merry Christmas. Podcast Network.